Did you know Bold Commerce has some of the best apps to increase the size of almost all your orders? Maybe you're looking to run store-wide sales with countdown timers. Boom! Bold Discounts will run your scheduled promos with just a few clicks, no coupon codes required. Or maybe you're looking to maximize average order value. You could count on Bold Upsell, Bold Motivator, or Bold Bundles. With Bold Upsell, you can offer product upgrades, cross-sales, or complimentary products as free gifts. With Bold Bundles, you could boost average order value by bundling a few products or an entire collection so that your customers can mix and match items to get a discount. Now, hey, when was the last time you made an online purchase and saw a message like, spend 15 more dollars for free shipping? With Bold Motivator, you could do that same thing and more. Offer free shipping, free product, or even a percentage off the entire order. Pick and choose which apps are best for you, or use them all to boost conversion at an average order value. With free bold apps for 14 days, there's no excuse not to try and boost your sales this year. To get this special offer, go to boldcommerce.com slash Kurt. That's boldcommerce.com slash K-U-R-T. Hello, my friends, welcome back to the unofficial Shopify podcast. And I was wondering, do you ever feel like perhaps you're burning money at the altar of Facebook while Zuckerberg builds his VR empire? Are you just breaking even? Do you, are you, is your ROAS just like one-to-one -one with your ad spend? And as you hope, ad prices don't rise any further? Because if they do, now we're going to be at negative ROAS, not something any of us want. If you're feeling that way, I, it's not uncommon. You're certainly not the only one. And back in August, I was at e-commerce day in LA and I heard their keynote speaker say something that's just like absolute light bulb moment for me. He said, Facebook and Google's entire business model is to take credit of sales that were already going to happen. Oh my God. And it like, and then he proceeded to convince me that that was absolutely true. And so joining us today with some unconventional wisdom on building a better marketing plan for your brand is none other than returning guest Rand Fishkin. Rand Fishkin, co-founder and CEO of SparkToro. Rand Fishkin, co-founder and CEO of SparkToro, makers of fine audience research software and uh, general PR bigwig. He's been profiled in the Seattle Times, featured in the... Puget Sound Business Journal's 40 Under 40, named to Business Week's 30 Under 30, written about in Newsweek, The Next Web, The Inc. 500, and hundreds of other publications. Not too shabby. I even heard he talked to Oprah. Rand, welcome. Is this true? Do you know Oprah? Uh, no is probably the wrong word, but but we were on her show once. Wow. that's. Did you meet Gail? Was Gail involved? Oh, I don't think so. Uh, to be honest, I was not a regular viewer of the program, um, but they, they invited us on the show and I was like, well, hey, you know, we've been wanting to go see the Chicago Museum of Art. So if you could fly us in a day early, you know, we'll, we'll come on your program. And they kind of had this, wait a minute. No, no, we're doing you a favor by having you on our program. <laughs> it's like, no, no, I'm doing you a favor by coming on the program. I'm not familiar with your show, really. So, yeah. So they called and you were like, who, Oprah who? No, I mean, I, I had certainly heard of her. I knew that she was, you know, a popular daytime television host, but uh, this was 2008. Yeah. 2008. And what's funny is like, which, even... is, which is, I think, Kurt, where you got my bio from. I think you must have found an old SEO Moz bio from like 2010 when you were reading it off. I was like, wow, I haven't heard that stuff in 12 years. 
you know, I, I, I copied and pasted it from somewhere, but that was like 15 minutes ago. How could I possibly remember where it came from? I got too many tabs open. <laughs> I do have an official bio if, if you want, you know, I can, I can send it to you later. I will. Oh, I, I will find and include your official bio no, in no, the show I, notes. You don't me. need to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm just teasing you. It's, oh, okay, good. This is going to be okay. the vibe of this whole interview. I hope you're ready. <laughs> I am. I'm absolutely prepared. Where, well, you know, how do I transition from Oprah back to ad spend? All right. So you, you did this talk in e-commerce at uh, Ecom Day LA that really, that resonated with me because you agitated the pain here of like the current state of PPC ads. How do you see it? Like, what was the breaking point for you where you're like, look, I, someone has to speak the truth here? I, I mean, I think that plenty of folks have been speaking the truth for a long time. And my job is just to make that truth more accessible, more understandable, um, give it a memorable flow. So, yeah, for, for you know, a decade plus, plenty of folks in the whatever e-commerce spaces, in venture capital backed software spaces, in you know, uh, anyone who engages with the advertising ecosystem recognizes not that Google and Facebook exclusively um, take credit for sales that were already going to happen, but that is their growth methodology, right? I think that, I think they've reached the turning point in their businesses where it's very difficult for them to create new incremental sales for nearly anyone. I don't say everyone, but nearly anyone and so what they have to do now in order to grow their businesses at the rate that Wall Street wants to see is to start charging people and taking credit for sales that were already going to happen. And they can do this very effectively in two ways. One, on the attribution side, by essentially making it such that you cannot see or understand where and how people are flowing through the Internet's ecosystem. You can't see that, oh, this customer actually visited my website three times previously in the past three months, and they searched for my brand. And then they, you know, saw some of my content uh, on a on a guest article, and then they heard me on this podcast, and then they watched one of my YouTube videos. Oh, and then then they searched for my product and clicked my PPC ad. That sale was always going to come to you. You were always going to get that sale. But what happened is Google and Facebook said, "Hey." Because of privacy concerns, Apple too, right? Apple's getting huge into the advertising game. They're they're probably going to be the fourth largest um, ad platform in the U.S. within the next few years and, and might even over, overtake Amazon for the number three spot thanks to the privacy changes that they made. Privacy, I should put this in quotes, air quotes, right? Because of these privacy changes, they are able to hide refer strings. Everything that comes to you looks like dark traffic. They won't tell you when people have experienced your organic, your non-paid, non-advertised content on the web. And they do that under the guise of privacy, right? They say, hey, it's not ethical or legal or it's problematic if we show you that someone saw your content, your brand, your YouTube channel, whatever, before they came to your website. That's not ethical. The only thing that's ethical is showing you whether they saw your ad come on, man. Like we all know what's happening, right? Essentially Google and Facebook have said over the last 20 years, CMOs, CEOs, boards of directors have become addicted to metrics that prove the value of marketing, that prove attribution, full channel attribution. So going on someone's podcast, producing a YouTube clip, uh, sending a tweet, posting on LinkedIn, getting a highly you know, engaged with Instagram 
post. That stuff cannot be tracked and therefore we will not invest in it. But every Instagram ad you buy, every Facebook ad you buy, every ad you buy on Google, every ad you buy on the display network, those can be beautifully tracked. Those will show that everyone who bought your product engaged with something. And, and what Google and Facebook have an incentive to do is to show the ad to the people who they were certain would already buy from you because that's how they make themselves look good. And it's really hard if you work at a company where your stock price and your employees stock units are valued based on your growth to not take an incentive like that and make the most of it. Right. Yeah. It, this seems hearing you explain it, it almost seems inevitable. inevitable. I mean, years ago, we, it was the case that I could go and I set up an online store and I could buy ads on you know, Facebook, Instagram, Google, maybe even Amazon if I'm selling on Amazon. And I'd, I'd probably do pretty well. Yeah. And on top of it, we got drunk on, on uh, data-driven decision-making because those things would come back and go, hey, here's you put in a dollar, you got $5 back. Uh, I'll do that again. I'll do that all day. We'll do and then over day. time, everybody figures it out. And this, then we start noticing like, well, this attribution thing, wait a second, you know, Klaviyo, Facebook, and Google all say they took, like if I add up the attributed revenue they take, it's higher than my actual revenue. <laughs> well, wait a second, what's going on there? So which is right? And of course the answer, well, if they, any of them was a touch point, which you, you um, had that example of what that like, the many touch points in a funnel, well, they all get a little bit of credit, then they all take all credit. But these are publicly traded companies that are doing this. Uh, and so they are very much profit motivated mm -hmm. to keep this going. And there's only so many eyeballs on the Internet. So what do they do? Uh, absolutely. I, I think so. You've identified another part of the problem here, which is essentially that once the marketplace gets crowded enough with, you know, millions of advertisers for any given page that might load, for any given keyword that might get searched, for any given uh, Facebook posts that might get loaded. It's really difficult for Facebook and Google to resist showing the ads that they feel confident are going to show up in someone's attribution funnel, right? Whether it's a view through conversion or a direct conversion or a referral, doesn't matter. That's where, that's where the money is right now. And so of course that's where they are going. 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, for sure, the money was all in creating new incremental revenue. Today, that that's exploited, it's it's filled, right? So I'm not saying there's no opportunity here. There's brands, and, and we heard, you and I heard people at e-commerce day, right? Like Vasa Martinez and, and others talking about, hey, you know, we did run some Instagram ads for a, a brand new brand. We did see a lift, we did see conversions and sales, okay. Right. So that still exists. It's just the minority. Right. And it's and it's shrinking. And so what you have to do as a smart e-commerce business owner is recognize this reality and this truth and be ready to attribute a large portion of your sales, not to what Google, Facebook or any other reporting platform claim happens in the advertising funnel, but to your brand your word of mouth, your organic content, your zero click content on social, right? Your native videos, your native um, 
uh, tweets and posts and you know TikTok videos, uh, your appearances on podcasts, the discussion that people have around you, the PR and news items, all of that is contributing and it's invisible because no one has an incentive to show it to you. In fact, the incentive is to hide it from you. Facebook and Google and Amazon and Apple don't want you to find out that PR was a great investment because it doesn't bring them any money. Yeah, or organic SEO, all of these things that are not, that don't require active investment to one of these these ad aid, these ad companies, this ad tech, is you're right. It is de-emphasized and, and de-incentivized, yeah, and then we and, don't and have the attribution, I'm, and so we got well, it didn't work. Right, and then mm. you, you 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 lobby the EU government, you lobby the U.S. government, you lobby the California government to convince them to write privacy laws that hide this data under the guise of, hey, you know, this is whatever, a security risk, a privacy risk. I'm not saying there aren't some actual privacy issues, but most of the actual privacy and phishing and spam and scam issues are very disconnected from, hey, can I see whether someone watched my YouTube video before they came to my website? Like, uh, you know, sorry, that's just not, that's not where the privacy issue lies. Uh, especially not in an aggregated format. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's tough going out there for a marketer. I think in order to compete, you have to be willing to accept the truth that hard to measure or impossible to measure channels are probably providing the best ROI. And you just can't prove it to yourself because these big tech monopolies aren't going to let you anymore. So the, all right, I'm with you, but it's beginning to sound like a conspiracy theory. I feel like conspiracy conspiracy theories happen when there is belief without evidence. And that, that is not the case here. Right. So, so Kurt, let's, let's take a look at a bunch of examples, right? I I have a bunch right here. So uh, here's an example, a story about um, Procter and Gamble cutting $200 million in digital ad spend reducing their uh, reach from, you know, hundreds of thousands of websites and platforms to just a few thousand and increasing the number of people who saw their ads and their sales by 10%. (laughs) Wait, how could that be? How can that be? Here's an, here's another example. This is from the New York times uh, a few years ago, chase had ads on 400,000 websites, then on just 5,000 same results. Whoa, wait a minute. Here's one from input. Uber wasted $100 million on useless digital ad campaigns. When they cut that spend, they saw the same number of conversions. Oh, that's damning. eBay. eBay cut off all, all their branded paid search advertising and saw a small lift, (laughs) a small lift (laughs) in sales. Here's uh, Brian Chesky, the CEO of Airbnb. What the pandemic showed is we can take marketing down to zero and still have 95% of the same traffic as the year before. We are not going to forget that lesson. Wow. Uh, So $0 marketing and traffic is essentially unchanged. So this, this is what's happening, right? There's this, um, you know, you heard me tell this, this story, right? The parable of the pizzeria and you know, the, the, let's hear it because I love it. Yeah, yeah, I have so, tried so to retell it and butcher short it. Version, super short version here, right? So pizzeria owner, much like e-commerce owner, she's like, hey, I want to I get some more business. So she hires three neighborhood scamps to uh, pass out flyers. And, you know, she's a smart 
uh, attribution-focused marketer. So she gives one kid a green flyer, one kid a red flyer, one kid a white flyer. They all have different codes on them. She sends them out in the neighborhood to distribute these flyers. A month later, she looks and the kid who's distributing the green flyer is responsible for like 50% of all the new business. She's like, oh my God, this is incredible. All right, fire the other two. Kid, whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Six months later, she talks to her accountant and the accountant's like, well, sales are up about 8%, but to be honest, you know, profits are actually down a little bit because you've been given all these discounts. And the pizzeria owner is like, whoa, whoa, what the hell is going on here? So she puts on her disguise and she follows the kid out of the store in the morning with his flyers. And what does she see? The little scamp ducks into an alleyway right around the corner from the pizzeria. And whenever he sees someone heading that way, he runs out of the alley and hands them a flyer. And that's exactly what Google and Facebook are doing. They have incredible knowledge of where people go on the web, what they've searched for, what they've visited, pages they've liked, right? This incredible database of zero party data, first party data that they alone are allowed to have access to, right? The Facebook pixel is on every single website. The Google pixel is on every single website. Google and Facebook know, you don't get to know. And then they show your ads, right? They distribute that green flyer to anyone who looks like they're coming into your pizzeria. Do you still use a horse and buggy? How about a fax machine? No? Then don't use a regular Shopify theme when you can use Zipify Pages. Just ask this Zipify user. Zipify Pages. I just found that it converts so much better than any Shopify theme I have used before. And you can create high converting landing pages in really the matter of minutes. Zipify Pages is a powerful landing page and sales funnel builder on Shopify. All their templates are tested and proven by a $155 million e-commerce brand. So you know their stuff actually works. You can copy entire templates, like opt-in pages, product pages, and holiday promotions, or use the drag-and-drop builder to create your own custom layouts. Then publish your pages directly onto your Shopify store. Plus, all pages are optimized for mobile, and built-in split testing helps you maximize your results. It's no wonder Zipify Pages is used by over 5,500 Shopify merchants. To start your free 14-day trial, go to zipify.com slash Kurt. That's Z-I-P-I-F-Y dot com slash K-U-R-T. And to get an unadvertised bonus, email help at zipify.com and ask for the Tech Nasty bonus. Tech Nasty. And we see this with Google Pmax ads, Performance Max, where it it will it will always have a preference for spending your budget on branded search. Well, branded search was you know where they were going. You, they were looking for you. But now I'm paying for it. Yeah, the only way the only way Google can really justify branded search is blackmail. Oh, oh. that's that's a lot of nice traffic you're getting there to your brand. Oh, it would be a shame if someone would go ahead and outrank you for that for your own name. That's essentially the Google model, right? It's it's mafia but legal, you know. Um, so, yeah, your second option, right? Your second option is essentially to. Uh, invest in channels that can show you long-term brand lift that you cannot prove. And this is very difficult for a lot of marketers uh, and a lot of e-commerce owners because we have, to your point, over the last quarter century become addicted, 
addicted to the metrics proving somewhere in one of our you know ad platforms or our reporting suites our analytics software that this conversion came from these places and if you are willing to let go of that philosophy you can have extraordinary results and the way to measure it right the way to measure it is the same way that advertising and marketing was measured in the 20th century and that is to say hey uh, you know, Coca-Cola, for example, it's 1965 and Coca-Cola runs a big in-store promotion in all the major grocery stores in Cleveland, but none in Akron or Cincinnati. And then they look and they see, huh, all right, same store sales in Cincinnati, incre- you know, in Cleveland, increased an additional 6% over Akron and Cleveland, which have very similar demographics and behaviors okay, we know that this is worth a 6% store-by-store lift. Let's do some more of it. Or let's not, right? It's not worth it, you know, whatever the cost is. And hey, if you invest in six months of uh, hard-to-measure content marketing, native social content, um, a video series, a conference and events strategy, a PR strategy, um, a- Podcast tour. A podcast tour, a co-marketing event, all these kinds of things, and you can see, okay, we would have predicted based on our historic growth, we were growing organically at about you know two percent month over month in terms of traffic and email subscribers and you know whatever your metrics are that, that kind of measure that top of funnel, middle funnel stuff. And then you look and you go, hmm, gosh, since we started this strategy over the last six months, we've seen an eleven percent lift. Okay, so this is worth a compound six percent. Wow, that that can get us really far. If we're able to keep this up the next 18 months, you know, we're going to crush our targets without spending, you know, a dime on Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, whatever. Let's do it. So I could still get, I could still get data. I just don't get the like per transaction attribution that I had in the past. I could still do things to try and segment and, and see these results, but mm-hmm. I'm looking at it just bigger picture. We're zooming out a little bit. It gets a little more general. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And some of the stuff, I'll say that some of it is very frustrating to try and measure because if you try and measure it, you will almost certainly work yourself into um, apoplexia and, and paralysis because what will happen very often is that other things will interfere with your tracking, right? So, oh, hey, we've been doing whatever, our podcast series, and that's been growing our, you know, organic and brand growth rate, our branded search traffic is up, our um, whatever, direct and dark traffic are up. But, but we're not sure if it's all the podcast because we also got covered in this, you know, magazine. We also got covered, you know, someone's email list mentioned us. So we don't know whether one of those was responsible for the other. Oh, and even more frustrating, it turns out that mention that we got from that person's popular email list was actually because they heard us on the podcast. So do we attribute that to the pod? I guess we do. It's this kind of thing, right? This drives CMOs insane. And and my only advice is you got to let go. You got to let go and... <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but since we were having a Star Wars conversation before the podcast started, use the force, Luke, right? You have to trust your intuition. You know 
when something is resonating with people. You can see it in your, the emails that are coming in, people you have conversations with. They're like, oh yeah, I heard you on this. Oh yeah, you got mentioned here. Oh yeah, this email list talked about you. Oh man, I saw you on this YouTube video the other day. Oh, I've been following you on Twitter for a few weeks. And it's it's that kind of thing, right? Yeah, you, yeah, you, you certainly hear, you get a feel in a sense. You get a board. feel. And I'll, so, I'll hear that for people who are on the show. They'll go, oh, you know, like I, it, it was so great because I, uh, we saw a lift and, you know, then we like a bunch of people reached out and yeah. said specifically, hey, I heard you on on uh, Kurt's podcast. Ah, OK. So it's like, yeah, I only have attribution on a, sa- a small sample, but I can infer what happened based on timing. Right. The attraction to ads is if I get the right if I. put in all the right inputs and I have the right audience and placement and messaging and landing page. I get everything right. I can scale it by throwing more money at it. How do I do that here? Right. How do I get that, that same uh, ability to scale the successful things? I, so there's a bunch of ways, but the, the, the fundamental underlying concept is what I call the marketing flywheel. Right, so this is essentially like, and you can do this with advertising too. In fact, what you're describing with ads is similar. So the idea here is that you do a marketing thing, whatever that might be. You know, the the simplest, lightest thing is you know send a tweet, <laughs> or or you know post something to Facebook, put something on Instagram, take a photo of your product, and you know uh, upload it to Pinterest, like whatever. And then you try and amplify that thing's reach, so that it reaches more people than it would have just, you know, if you just posted and left alone. And then you try and uh, build the audience around that, hopefully using, you know, your other channels and uh, reaching out to other people to help them, you know, see it and get in front of them. Maybe you're doing email outreach. Maybe you're mentioning people in your, you know, social post. Maybe you are inviting guests on your podcast and making little clips that they're going to go share on their own social channels, which will drive more people back right? It's all this kind of stuff. And the idea is that you're turning the audience that you attract from other platforms, other people's podcasts or YouTube channels, other social platforms, other people's email newsletters, conferences and events, whatever it is, back to you, to your website, and hopefully capturing them either with an email, right? Because they sign up for something. This is a a lot of... um, e-commerce retailers will do discounts and newsletters and all that kind of stuff, or because you actually make a sale. It's a little less common with with this type of touch, but it, it can work. And now the next time you do that same marketing thing, the impact is bigger because when it comes time to amplify, you have a bigger audience. You have more followers on social. You have a new connection. You have more email subscribers. You have more people who are organically visiting your website. You have more authority with Google, so you rank a little better in, in SEO. Like All of these things build on each other, and you keep repeating this pattern, this process over and over, building up this, this kind of muscle the same way you would at a gym, right? And, and at, the, you know, at the apex of this, um, I can tell you from experience, right? I could, you know, back in back in my Moz years, I could hit publish on a blog post and tens of thousands of people would see it without me doing a single other marketing activity. Just the publish button. Because we built up this incredible flywheel, right? This strength of 
hey, when Rand publishes something, it's you know it's good, and it goes out to all these email subscribers. Those email subscribers share it on their social channel. Those social channels get picked up by more people. Moz shares it on its social channel. Rand shares it on his. Every time the flywheel completes, more and more people follow Rand and Moz and the people who share it, and more people subscribe to the email, and more people come to the blog, and Google likes the blog better. And boop, 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 right? It's a it's a beautiful recurring process that scales wonderfully. It's just really hard to get started. You're, yeah, that's the catch is like step one is I have access to so many potential things that I could do. Like the, they're just limitless tools, limitless digital creativity at my fingertips. And that that's a problem. Like I, now I'm stuck. I have uh, paralysis by analysis. Yeah, man. And so... I need to get unstuck. I just get getting started is the hard part. I just got to try some things. And I generally encourage people to go like, all right, find the overlap of like what you're good at, you know, what you like to do. You know, for me, I don't love writing, but I do enjoy doing the podcast. Yeah. So they're okay. That's my thing. And like find whatever your thing is. And then you try it, get it out there. And uh, you're going to be talking to yourself for six months. Like the first six months, nobody cares. Yeah. No, it's going to feel. You just have to accept that. It's going to feel so frustrating. You're going to be like, this isn't working. I'm not getting any results. And I guarantee you that all the people who've been successful had exactly those same first six, nine, 12 months. And guess what? All your competitors, all their CMOs and CEOs were like, okay, you got to stop this. It's not working. I always use six months because I don't want to discourage people. But I think the reality is it's more like 12. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, there's people who like knock it out of the park in the first 90 days. That's rare. Um, but it does happen. And then there's folks who take a year, two years. You know, I tell this story. I, I think I told this story in, in Lost and Founder. Um, the first two and a half years of the Moz blog, I never broke 300, 200, 300 visits to a post. Like oh, really? Just, it was just a slog. I sucked. I was terrible at it. You know, if I could get one link to one blog post, I was like, woo, cheering on the way, you know, on my walk home to my uh, crappy apartment that that Geraldine was paying for because I couldn't pay myself anything. So she was like paying our rent and all our bills. <laughs> you know, I mean, that, that was just the way of it. I, I think today what's great is no one's going to fail that hard for that long because there's just so much more information about how this stuff works, right? So you can't, if, you, if you're creative and you have a good idea and you're good at execution and you can find a community that cares about it and it's something that you really enjoy doing, you, you can almost certainly have success in six to 12 months and, and success on a small scale, right? But you will see that progress. You'll see that progress within your first like 20 episodes or blog posts or, you know, whatever videos that you make for social or YouTube posts. Uh, you will see it. Uh, if, if you're doing this stuff right. I think the key is you have to have deep empathy for what your audience wants. Aha. That's the, all right. So there's the critical thing is knowing the audience. And Absolutely. that's what I don't like about PPC ads is it really like separates us from the audience where it's, they're no longer people, they're a cohort and we don't talk to them. Mm -hmm. Other than when like you get a crappy drive-by comment on a poster ad. Your approach, much more conversational in nature when you're doing this content marketing flywheel. So we need 
clearly like the magic is we need to know our audience. Yeah, man. Talk to I me mean about that. You, I'm sure you've you. Yeah, this 100%, is hundred percent. You know, you've got insights here. Yeah, yeah. This is what I do all day, every day, right? Like audience research is is what you know what this new company SparkToro um, is all about. And so you know, a ton of what I spend my time doing is helping people understand their audiences, you know, through through software, but but also through I, I am as much as you know, I'd love to say, oh yeah, just use SparkToro and you can do it. Like no, 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 no. The three methodologies that I recommend for everyone are interviews, surveys, and then data at scale through software, right? So one-on-one conversations with just a few people in your field. I realize that can be scary for some folks. I know it's tough, but you know, whatever. If you're selling, you know, if you're Vasa and you're selling Perfy, like talk to the people who are going to whatever Whole Foods and buying the weird new beverages, you know, in a can and be like, Hey, what, yeah, what, what do you like? Why do you do this? What, you know, what's interesting, go to those trade shows and talk to people who are, you know, buyers for stores and stockers and, you know, have that conversation. What, what's going on in the field right now? Like what's hot, what's interesting, what's changing, what has the pandemic done to, you know, store sales versus e-com blah, 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 blah. Right. Like all those kinds of things and get that you want to get that sixth sense for like, I know what's happening. I know what the buzz is among this group of people and why they talk about, you know, Mountain Dew, Sweet Lightning all the time, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, I want to know whether the Coca-Cola Dream World and Pixel flavor, is it Pixel flavors? I can't remember. <laughs> whatever, you know, whatever crazy crap they've come, up, come out with. Like, That's like Galaxy. Uh, yeah, they had yeah. really... The, really goofball flavors that were like, this is our Gen Z play. Yeah, exactly. Like, ah, yes, my children want to drink space. <laughs> then it tastes like nothing, you know, but, but it doesn't matter because the product marketing is, is um, so interesting. And when you have these conversations, you can turn the questions that you have at scale kind of like, okay, is it just this one weirdo that I talked to who felt that way? Or is it a lot of people? And that's what you can run a survey with. Right. So you can run you can run surveys at scale, like across consumer groups with like a Qualtrics or a SurveyMonkey. Or hell, if you have an email list of a few hundred or a few thousand people, you can just survey them, right? And and get these answers, these questions. And then you try and validate this through, you know, software. So you can be like, okay, you know, my audience, whatever, follows this subreddit, or they pay attention to this social account, or they use these words in their bio, right? They describe themselves as whatever, interior designers or outdoor enthusiasts or you know fishermen or whatever you're selling to and then you go get tons of data about like ah okay they follow these you know 500 people on social and like 17 percent of them follow this particular account well you should probably subscribe to that account too right listen to the sources of influence in your field see what the buzz is see what they're talking about and then you can take that understanding that deep understanding of your field back to your content, your native social, your podcast, your um, video series, your event marketing, your co-marketing, your research, whatever you're doing, you can take it back to your packaging. You can take it back to your positioning, how you describe your product, right? And when you speak their language and when you talk about the things that they have interest in but can't find other places, that's the money. Accidents happen. Maybe you installed an app and it messed up your theme, or a store collaborator deleted product images by mistake. Common myth. 
Shopify is a backup that you can use when something goes wrong with your store. Untrue, they don't. Myth busted. So what do you do? You use Rewind to equip your Shopify store with automated backups. Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your own magic undo button. Trusted by over 100,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Nix and Movement Watches. It's even a Shopify Plus certified app. Best of all, visit rewind.com slash Kurt Elster and get a 30-day free trial. Enjoy peace of mind with Rewind Backups. Find it in the Shopify App Store or visit rewind.com. It's interesting how that a recurring theme in interviews with really successful marketers and brand operators is that the cornerstone of that success is we talk to people. Like, oh, you want the killer app? It's phone.app. Try it, right? you got to call these people and actually have a conversation with someone. And then, miraculously, by asking your target market questions, you will begin to gain a greater understanding. You know, it doesn't seem so crazy when you phrase it like that, but people are really resistant to it. I kind of like your idea of striking up a conversation with, you know, this is like step, early step one, just strike up conversations with people shopping in public. I have certainly asked people, I go like, this is weird, but I, I work in, you know, X industry. Yeah, can I just ask you about that? And people, they're obviously interested. They're there. I've never had a, someone have a bad reaction to it. And I'll, I'll just ask them a couple questions for five minutes. And it's interesting. You get uh, a clear idea of, of motivations and like what they see benefits as. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I do this all the time. Like my first 18 months of SparkToro, we didn't have a product, right? So Casey and I, my, my co-founder and I, he was building the thing. And all I was doing was just having conversation after conversation with people in our field who we thought were going to be good customers for the product and learning about their frustrations. That, Kurt, that is actually where I kept hearing this whole uh return on ad spend problem. That's what made me formulate this idea around the, um, you know, Google and Facebook and Apple and Amazon sort of taking credit for all these sales. That's where I first heard the parable of the pizzeria. Like all, all this stuff is not, this is, these are not my ideas, right? They're just, oh man, that resonated with a lot of people. I heard that from this person when we sent out a survey, yes, a ton of people said, oh, attribution is the big reason why we don't invest in sort of more organic types of flywheels. And, you know, we can't prove to our boss or our team that a high percentage of our audience is paying attention to some particular source on the web. I was like, oh, damn, SparkToro needs to have a percent, percent of audience. That's the metric that matters most. We need to show them 31% of interior designers in Canada listen to this pod podcast. That's the thing they care about. That's what they have to show in order to get investment. Okay, right? Now that's that's where we're going to go build. And your audience is the same, right? They have something they care about. It. The problem isn't being solved by existing solutions. So you, if you can solve it, if you can talk about it, if you can make them feel good about it, if you can share the emotion that they're having, my friend, you will build an audience. You will have sales. I. That's such a... Oh, I love that. I think that's a, a great point to start to wrap things up on because it's inspiring. It's encouraging. Uh, you were you were talking about SparkToro and how the approach you've been pitching us this whole time is the one you used yourself. That's yeah. that's some good good dog fooding. Tell me about SparkToro. 
Yeah. So, um, <laughs> all right, <laughs> Kurt. So the, you know, I've had a lot of practice trying to explain it over the last few years. And the one that I found that really resonates with people is, is this version, which is, which is essentially the absolute best way, the best way that you could possibly get information about your audience, your customers is the following. You get all their home addresses, right? Where they live physically. You learn lock picking, you break into their mm -hmm, house, mm -hmm. you steal their phone, you get the phone's unlock code. Then you go through and you record every YouTube channel they subscribe to, every email newsletter they subscribe to, uh, websites that they visit, things they search for in Google. Uh, you grab all the people that they follow on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the subreddits they're subscribed to, all the TikToks they follow, all that information. And then you aggregate it together with the other 700 homes you've broken into. Now, mm -hmm. this is super illegal. Uh, and deeply unethical, and you should not do it. I recommend this to no one. However, however, you know what's crazy cool about the modern world and modern marketing is that tens of millions of people put this information publicly online. If I go, if you go visit my YouTube profile, you will see every channel I'm subscribed to and every comment I've ever left, right? Because it's public. If you go to my Twitter account, you'll see everyone I follow, everyone who follows me, every post I've ever sent, everyone who's ever liked those posts. If you go to my Instagram, you'll see everyone I follow, right? Like all this information is just publicly available. It's a pain in the ass to go get, but you can, you can go crawl this information. You could do it manually yourself, right? Just by being like, okay, I'm gonna go find a bunch of, you know, whatever it is, electricians in Milwaukee, and I'm going to see their profiles. And there's like, okay, I think I found like 85 electricians in Milwaukee who have some sort of social presence. I'm going to aggregate all this stuff together. Oh, hey, look, this YouTube channel is really popular for electricians in Milwaukee. Cool. I'm going to advertise against that. I'm going to try and be a guest on there. I'm going to learn from the, their post, whatever. That takes months of work. Oh my God, so annoying. So SparkToro is just that for the entire internet. Basically, I, you just go to SparkToro and you say my audience and you choose one of the drop downs. One of the drop downs would be like follows this social account or they frequently talk about, you know, this frequently post about this subject or they uh, have these words in their bio. And then SparkToro will tell you, OK, we have, you know, 750 electricians in maybe Wisconsin. And, and so we can tell you that these are the aggregation of their demographics and their behaviors. Being able, it's essentially, it's a database for describing and defining social media audiences. V very much so, right? So it's like, it, it's social plus web. So it's kind of, it's a little bit overlappy, but yes, that, it, that's exactly right. You essentially, we take these tens of millions. I think we have like 83 million public profiles in, in, in English. We're only English language right now. And then you can search across them for, anything that matches the criteria you're interested in. And you can see, you know, whatever demographics, you can see behaviors, you can see what they follow, what they read, what they watch, which subreddits they're subscribed to, which YouTube channels they subscribe to, who they follow on Twitter and LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, like all that info is in there. Uh, and does this have a free trial? No, but it has a forever free account. So oh, even no better. credit card required. You don't have to sign up for a trial. We're not going to charge you after 30 days if you forget. It's just free, free, free. So you can go play around with it, try it. There's some like 
um, complete free queries where you can see everything that's in the product. You can run your own queries and sort of see samples of the data. If you're like, oh, yeah, that's super useful to me. Uh, it It is relatively inexpensive. It starts at 50 bucks a month, um, goes up from there. But it, what we did not want to do, so a lot of like, there are folks in this space, in fact, Brandwatch has an awesome audience research tool that's kind of like this, does not quite exactly the same thing, but similar things. But it's like, you got to get on the phone with a sales rep and pay like, you know, tens of thousands of dollars a year. And we were like, oh man, that sucks. Like we want to give this to small businesses, small agencies, consultants, you know, folks who own an e-commerce shop. Like that, that, that was kind of the goal. I'm, I've always been a small scale capitalism capitalist. <laughs> like I, I love small businesses. I think big, big businesses and big monopolies, eh, I'm not sure they're totally good for the world. So, yeah. I, I signed up just while you were talking about it. I signed up for SparkToro because you brilliantly have a register with Google button, which is my favorite thing ever. If I show up on a site for a free trial and it's like, I got to type my first name in, the four <laughs> characters. I don't have that kind of time. But if I could just register with Google and get right into it, fabulous. So I did it. I stuck at Disney World. My wife has a Disney blog. Yeah. And not only did the, this thing immediately like give back a bunch of useful info, I knew it was right. This is really clever. It said, like, here's social accounts they follow most, and here's high engagement hidden gems. And what it said 2.2% engage with Joe Rody. Joe Rody is retired. He was like the their big creative director who built Animal Kingdom and uh, oh. did all these great things at the park. So I'm like I knew immediately that this was legit because you made like this Disney parks deep cut reference. I mean, this is within the audience. It's one of the, it's one of those weird things where, um, you know, some of the data feels super obvious, right? If you know, whatever interior design world super well, or you know about electricians or, you know, lots of stuff about the marketing world or Disney world, you'll be like, Oh yeah, yeah, this makes sense. This makes sense. This makes sense. And then as you go down the list, you'd be like, Ooh, what is that? I don't recognize that. I haven't heard of that. I'm surprised about that. And that information is often, you know, uh, incredibly useful to folks. But, you know, sometimes people are even just like, hey, I know this is true, but I can't prove it to my boss. I can't prove to my boss that our audience pays attention to whatever, YouTube channels, that they subscribe to podcasts, that they, you know, are not all whatever men <laughs> in their fifties or, you know, and so you take that data and you're like, Hey, boss, team, client, like, let's go. I love it. Uh, final thing. Will you, will you tell me about your book? Cause I got a copy oh. of it and I was flipping through it last weekend and I was like, Oh, this, this would be really helpful for some people. I mean, it's a little, it's a little intense. Um, but Yes. So yeah, a lot of times when folks read it, they'll, they'll send me messages, which is really sweet and kind, but, uh, lost and founder is primarily about my first company, um, Moz, which I, you know, dropped out of college at, at 21 years old to start the first five years were incredibly rough and rocky. Um, you know, we, it, the, the, the book will take you through, I think the first chapter will take you through, um, you know, debt collectors knocking on my door and near bankruptcy and all that kind of shady stuff. Um, and then it, you know, it kind of talks about the the rise of Moz. Moz became, you know, for folks who, who might uh, not have been around for it, became the leading SEO software provider for probably a period of four or five years. 
um, from about you know 2010 to 2015 or so, and and then it was overtaken by several competitors. Um, and this this book doesn't pull any punches, so you know kind of talks about the like, okay, here's what it was like being the CEO and raise you know trying to raise venture capital and um, trying to build a marketing engine, trying to build a, a software development team. Um, yeah. And then the pain of things like layoffs, depression, which, um, in, I had a, I had a bad case of depression in 2014 and stepped down as the CEO of the company. Um, I talk about staying on for a few more years and then kind of, um, end the book with my, uh, departure from, from Moz. So it is, um, definitely not an endorsement of the venture capital startup ecosystem, but if you are, uh, if you're looking to learn more about what that's really like and prepare yourself for that process, or if you're trying to convince someone, you know, a co-founder or whatever, like, Hey, maybe this isn't for us. Um, it can help. I, I think a lot of folks have said the thing that they really took away from the book is the sense of not being alone in their struggles. Yeah. Right? That, yeah. Cause that, everyone's only posting their highlight reel on social yes. media. And so, so they have is, like, this, this is full, not a highlight reel. This full book. That's just like, here's my honest experience. Uh, it, well, authenticity is the big buzzword these days. It was authentic. It was great. The, the, I think the weird, the weird thing for a lot of folks is from the outside, you know, here's this company that's, you know, growing rapidly, got to like 50 plus million dollars in revenue and tens of thousands of customers. And, you know, all these sort of from the outside, good looking metrics raised a ton of money. And yet inside it is not, and it never is. It is never the roses and champagne and accolades and, oh, we were crushing it every day. It's no one has that experience, but everyone will tell you that's their experience because the incentives of the venture capital world are you have to always look great because you're always looking to attract the attention of who might fund your next round. Even if you're just going to IPO, you have to get the investment banks and the bankers thinking, this company looks incredible. There is no weakness whatsoever there, right? No vulnerabilities. Human beings aren't that way, but yeah, companies that's the dark and truth. founders, you, like you have to present yourself that way, right? That's rough. Uh, yeah, and so it ends up, uh, you end up with a lot of strange scenarios. Not you personally. No, but in, it's true. In general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rand Fishkin, I have to, I need to double down on my content marketing. I need to play with the SparkToro tool because I'm already fascinated by it. Unlimited free plan was how we phrased it. Yeah, unlimited free plan. Uh, unlimited can... free plan, mm -hmm. SparkToro.com, Rand Fishkin. Thank you so much. Kurt, thanks so much for having me, man. That was great. Hold up, stop what you're doing. Go log in your Shopify store. You there yet? Okay, check your apps. How many do you have installed right now? More important, how much money are you paying for those apps every month? Here's the reality. Most Shopify store owners are managing dozens of marketing apps, but you don't necessarily need all those apps to drive sales. That's why I recommend my friends at Privy. With the Privy app, you can take advantage of at least five apps in one. Manage all your website conversion, list growth, email, and SMS marketing all in one place. Yes, that also includes features like countdown timers, cross-sell campaigns, free shipping bars, abandoned card emails, you name it, this thing is powerful. So save the time, money, and headaches from toggling between dozens of apps and get Privy today.